Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sandspants Radio, Australia's most procedurally generated podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. Uh, this is a show where we ask you, what's your story and what does it say about you? I'm George Dimarellis and on the show today we have former and current lawyer, current rapper and future president of Zimbabwe, Simba Mack. How you doing, Simba? I'm good, bro. I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. Looks like you just fit all the tenses in there, man. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, it's a lot to put in. I like to get pe- I like to prime people early with what they're, what they're about to sit in on. <laughs> That's good, man. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for providing the platform. No worries. I'm glad you're here. Um, so I guess uh, straight off the bat, I will clarify you are. So you're Zimbabwe born. That's why your aspirations are to be president of Zimbabwe. <laughs> Zimbabwe born and, and bred. Came to Australia in 2004 to study for university. So I uh, landed in Perth, studied law and psychology at a university in Perth and then graduated, moved to Sydney to start working as a lawyer and lived there for six years. And then I uh, moved to, to Melbourne. I got a promotion, the firm I was with and yeah. Nice. But now you've taken a step back from the legal side of things to focus on the ra- music rapper yeah lawyer turned rapper which is very interesting i mean look i took the scenic route because i'm african by nature so like yeah, if you know any africans you know you know you the first quarter of a century of your life you probably if you live that long you you living you're living for your parents you know what I mean? okay. <laughs> you're living for your parents look cor- corona's changing start, corona's changing a lot of stuff you know what Jesus. I mean? you know they might have to adjust the retirement age after this you know you know but r.i.p to, to those that lost their lives and stuff man that's been pretty tragic there's some serious tone shifts going on here but yeah keep going yeah yeah but first 25 years are totally dedicated to your parents so i remember at my graduation ceremony like i always wanted to become a rapper because i always had this this love for music and, and just words so addiction's always been my thing so i've always wanted to express myself in in very unconventional formats so what was strange is like at my graduation ceremony my mom flew all the way from zim you know and we we're getting the the usual graduation photos you know with the certificates and the rest of it and then i handed her my my two degrees and i was like um well there you go, mom. Thank you very much for everything. And she's like, okay, why are you giving them to me? And I was like, well, I want to pursue music. That was the deal, right? So I get the backup plan, the backup, the backup plan, the backup, the backup plan. Well, that's them, these two degrees. So now I want to go and do the thing that's on my heart. 
And she just looked at me like, yeah, crazy. Don't be stupid. You know, like, like legit African. He's like, nah, nah, nah. You're going to get a job. That's what you're going to do. Like, I'm a single mom. I didn't go through all of this so that you could just become a rapper. Like, that is just not the plan. Plus, you got two younger brothers you got to take care of. Nah, it's not going down like that over my dead body. So, so being the obedient son and everything. And, and I, I did have to step up because dad wasn't in the picture and stuff. So, you know, being, being the, the big brother and having to make sure my brothers went to school and university as well. So, yeah, I did have those responsibilities to fulfill, you know, beyond my, my own aspirations. And everyone had sacrificed a lot for me to end up in Australia. You know, my mom sold a car, you know, for, to, to buy my plane ticket to you and come here. Um, and even for me to get my first semester's worth of university fees, I had to write a letter to 10 of the wealthiest businessmen I could find in Zimbabwe to see if someone could sponsor me. And it was only that the very last guy I went to see who said, I'll pay for your first semester. So at least you can get a visa to get in. And then once you're in, you know, you're on your own. You know, so you, you, you get immediate flashbacks, you know, you know, cause I could, I could tell you heaps, man. Like, you know, like my, my dad wasn't in the picture, not just because my parents divorced, but because he was a banker and he stole money from the bank that he worked for. So he ended up being incarcerated for six years, you know, when I was a kid. So do you still talk to him? You still see him? Um, no, no. I mean, we, we don't have much of a relationship. It's more transactional more than anything else. Like my obligation and my allegiance is to my mom. Because she's the one who paid the price and sacrifice. So were they together until he went to prison? No, no, no. They divorced prior to that. So my dad, yeah, he was just, he was just, yeah, something else, like physically abusive. Like I, I saw it all growing up, you know what I mean? And and it was actually me who persuaded my mom to get us out so we could run away from my dad. Because I was, I was so afraid that he would eventually end up killing her or taking her life. And I knew he didn't love us the way she did. No one stops to think, oh, we should probably talk to this kid about what's happening. So at least you can have somebody to sort of guide how you process and digest the information that you're receiving because that mixed with freaking watching Santa Barbara and Dallas and Dynasty and Skippy the Bush Kangaroo and and whatever's happening at school and, and all those kinds of things. Like it, it just causes just a world of confusion, I think, for a child who's just trying to establish just basic fundamentals of what a normal life should be. Are you, are you, do you mean that because you're seeing a very different image in the shows that you're watching versus what you're experiencing in real life? Is that what you mean by that? Well, yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think what happens is I think structure is very important. For, for anyone, you know, um, whether it's a kid or a dog, you know, from, from the outset, the moment they're born, right? Like they will do whatever they're told, you know, so you introduce them into a system, they will exist within that system, right? Um, same thing with children. But then if you leave them rampant and just allow them to just leave them to their own devices, right? They're going to develop a system of their own that's going to be foreign to them and to you. And by the time you realize, oops, this kid could be a problem kid. It's going to be too late to, to bring them back. And, and my mom realized that when I was about nine, because obviously I didn't grow up in a very stable household and dad was absent and I was just angry, rebellious. No one spoke to me about what had happened to me as a child. So I just started just acting out. That's when she started dragging my ass to church. Like almost every second day because she didn't know what to do with me. Um, and fortunately enough, there was a man there who was, um, they had like the, the youth department and stuff. And he took a particular liking to me and decided to mentor me. And had it not been for this guy who'd just be on my case, like for the following five years of my teenagehood, God knows what kind of person I would have turned out to be. You know what I mean? Because I almost felt as though I had every excuse 
not to make it in life, every excuse to fail because my parents had failed me. No one had showed me what success looked like, even in a relationship or family environment, you know, which is where it should all start, right? Charity begins at home. So even that, those fundamental things that most people take for granted that come from those households, um, if you, if you don't grow up in that system, like that's going to affect you later on. So th- there's a reason my dad replicated my, his dad's cycle. You know what I mean? It's no one told him any other way. It should be done. You know what I mean? So you do what you taught as a child. And once it's in, it's, it's in the system, it's, it's a really, really difficult thing to unlearn. Again, I think it's like when you're living in it, people have this attitude where when they hear about this stuff, they're like, oh, it's this crazy otherworldly thing. But for you, it's like, no, that's just Tuesday. So it's like this normalization that can happen with it, which can be strange for people who aren't in it. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And, and that's another thing coming from a conservative society and environment. It's, it's, it's not open to people sharing those kinds of things. So anytime anything went down at home, I w- I'd be told not to talk to anybody about it. You know, you know, you didn't see anything. You didn't hear anything. This is family business. Just, but no one would talk to me about it. You know, so you, you just, you're just carrying all of this stuff. Right. So well, they didn't have a space at the school for you to talk to people. Or was it kind of like you felt it yourself? I went to an all boys Jesuit Catholic school from like my first grade all the way up to my last year of, of high school. But then the counseling services, well, once again, like it's, it's grade one to three, you know, back in the nineties, like, you know, they, they weren't like guidance counselors for like, they didn't think kids probably had those kinds of issues. Plus being like an all boys Jesuit Catholic school, we had nuns there, you know. So I, I guess it would be assumed that, that that structure would exist if counseling were ever needed, you know. Uh, but you're a kid, you don't just go and like just utter stuff like that. Plus the fear of consequences. Like if you, you're going to rat your dad out, they're going to have to call your dad in to verify the information. And he's going to verify that ass walking when you get home. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and my mom could have copped it too. Because you would yeah, have blamed yeah. her for, for it, thinking she got me to go and, you know, and rat him out. So, so that, that's just to give you context into why I said yes at that, that, that graduation discussion we had, you know, like, I was like, man, you, you, you've been through a lot for us and it, it's not a big ask. Put in the time and develop the career a little bit. And, and retrospectively, like, I think that's like the best thing that could have ever happened. I, I feel almost the world is changing, but at the moment, as things stand, being a person of color, being a black person, you've got to be special if you really want to make it to the upper echelons of of anything, any industry, you know what I mean? So you've got to be exceptional. So like, as in, I guess I've got a few questions in relation to that. Firstly, in Zimbabwe, is that the case still there? I don't actually know the demographics is a quite it's mostly black though you wouldn't have this oh, kind yeah, of white absolutely. cultural you don't need to act white in zimbabwe i guess you, you, or do, do you? you you do to an extent I'll, I'll tell you why because we we're an ex-british colony right zimbabwe ended up having heaps of white people um live there so for example the school i went to pretty much 50 percent black 50 percent white uh, majority of my teachers were white i remember even growing up as a kid my dad would not let me speak my native tongue because he said you need to master english because it's one of the most complicated languages to learn. And if you can master that, you've got a better chance of being anything you want to be in this world. Your mother tongue will come to you naturally because you're constantly surrounded by your own people and your, your, your culture's all around you. So it will come to you, but you've got to master English. And, and he did that because he knew a lot of industries, particularly at that time, um, were run by 
by either white corporations or white white business executives, you know. So th- there was always that expectation, especially going to a private school. You're speaking English all the time. You're speaking to white teachers. And it, you've got that British culture, like, heavily ingrained, even down to the school uniforms, you know, like, you're freaking in, like, 30-degree temperatures and stuff and got to wear suits, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're wearing a blazer all day, every day, you yeah, know? That's... Best dress, longs, you know what I mean? Shirt, tie, long sleeve shirts, you know, it's... You know, and I had like a part of me love that because like back in the day when you see the footage of like it's not like the English weren't doing it themselves that were just sticking to this dress code <laughs> it's like but it's cool it's cool because at the same time right like even here like even practicing as a lawyer if you're in a corporate kind of job or whatever right you know you gotta wear your suit right a true gentleman knows no weather you know sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do you gotta look the part you know what I mean you've gotta look the part and and that's another key thing like even my mom always used to teach us this like she's like look when, when she divorced my dad she always used to say look a lot of people from your dad family don't like me and they think i'm to blame for the relationship not working out you know even though my dad's with like all these other women but anyway it's so nice and the history of it you know you know like it's just you know it's an alternative fact yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> she, she would always say i will break my back to provide for my kids but i don't want the evidence of it to be hidden when you leave the household i buy you clothes so that you can be respectable you can be respected, you can walk around with pride and I don't want people to know you don't have a dad present in your lives, you know? I want to make life as normal as possible. So she would go through like freaking like color coordination, like situation, like she would teach us how to dress. There's a reason I dress the way I dress, you know, to this day. I was going to say, you got some snappy dressing going on even now when you walked in here. Hey, thanks bro. You know what? You know what that tells me about you? You got good taste. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Let's let's talk about the book. Because <laughs> it's highly related. A lot of what you've said is, until now yeah, yeah. has been so related to the right? choice of book. Yeah. Even from a personal perspective, I'm really interested to unpack that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, just to go into that, your book of choice for today is? Yeah, so it's called Mugabe, Teacher, Revolutionary, Tyrant by Andrew Norman. Um, and it's a fascinating take on the the individual Robert Mugabe. So Robert Mugabe was um, the president of Zimbabwe and was in power for about three decades. The international community initially embodied him as the darling of Africa leading up to uh, the independence of Zimbabwe in 1980. And he presented himself as a very well-spoken slash articulate, considerate, post-war thinking revolutionary who originally was a very staunch and devout member of the guerrilla guerrilla warriors or or fighters who fought against the British Empire, um, who had colonized Zimbabwe. And he was handpicked by the British Empire to be the one to to become president of Zim. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that that's... I don't yeah. know, they, they'd started it. They always started. Oh yeah, they always started. They always started. Like that, that's the reason you end up, I guess, in, in that position, you know, and you end up having a lot of, um, I'm not saying he was, but a lot of puppet leaders, you know, like you, you are appointed, you know, you're not democratically elected, you know, that, that, that's, that's a rare thing to occur. And the reason for that is because for those that have been able to occupy power, particularly if it's illegally, um, have to ensure that the transition of power is something that is still within their grasp. They don't necessarily need to be the face of it anymore, but they still need to be in control. So firstly, Mugabe, uh, uh, he's probably the number one known dictator in the world 
right now in terms of everyone knows his name as that, I guess, in terms of uh, yeah, culturally. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I think, I think that's, 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 that's the term that he's been given by, I guess, mainstream international media. I'm not saying he was, I'm not saying he wasn't, but that's the point of the book because it gives a very intrinsic forensic analysis of not necessarily just the publicly known indiscretions of the subject matter being Mugabe, but it gives you a detailed analysis of this person's psyche and upbringing and allows you to, on some level, not necessarily be sympathetic, but to be able to empathize to the extent that you can as to why certain individuals make the choices that they make, not just based on the positions they're in, but based on just their their cultural, religious, and intellectual makeup, and also just experiences that they go through in life. Yeah, and this might be where I'm showing my ignorance a little bit, this subject matter, uh, because essentially, from my understanding, was he in power his whole life? Like, did he die and that's when he finished, or did he... No, no, no. Do a he, transition. I'm not sure how the last part of his life. No, so there's definitely there was a coup d'état. I think about two years prior to him um, passing away, but he was in power for it wasn't his whole life. So he would have been about, I'd say, he died in his 90s. So he'd been in power from about 60, you know, up until, you know, 90 something. Like so, it's 30 years, 30 plus years, and obviously in considering. Right now, that's probably 30 plus very transformative years in the country's uh, growth or whatever, just because of globalization and how much everything got more interconnected during that period. Is that right? Or is he, did he just, was that impacting things? That's why I say, like, for me, for me, um, I, I'm a helicopter sort of view type person. So for me, think things aren't black and white most of the times. They, they're always gray. So, I, I always challenge people when, when they interpret anything from a different culture or say African, for example, like, like we're using here to always line it up with the Western equivalent because y'all have had monarchies for God knows how long, right? Hey, 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 I'm, you get what I'm saying? I know what so, you're saying. Yeah, so, you know what I'm saying? So, 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 so it, it, it does come across rather hypocritical to label one person who may not necessarily be in line with the ethos of whatever the West may want of him for God knows how long versus Henry VIII doing whatever the hell he wanted, starting his own church, own religion, because he couldn't marry the woman he wanted. I'm actually kind of reading couldn't a book get divorced, about you know? that. Yeah, yeah, it's You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I guess the only counter I would say to that is uh, one doesn't cancel out the other though. Oh, absolutely so, not. Absolutely I not. think you're right in terms but of But it people, gives context, yeah, right? Yeah, like glass houses context. sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, at the same absolutely. time, like, I think the general idea is authoritarian regimes of any kind are never great. Yeah, well, wasn't, wasn't it Orwell who, who may have been, um, who said, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I'm not sure if it was him, but yeah, but I, I'm familiar with that quote. But, but having said that, I think this is the importance of history, right? You see, the, the, the issue we have with, with institutions that introduce a curriculum in schools, right, um, is that history can be something that is shared from the perspective of the of the person in power or the person trying to 
manage a society or control a society, right? Um, and I've, I've heard it once said that history is often told from the perspective of the victor, you know, and that's very true. You know, we, we, we get bombarded with information that is designed to teach us to, to process and think or view things in a particular way. And sometimes unless you, you, you immerse yourself in the environment, which is the subject of discussion or the subject of opinion or rhetoric, it's very, very difficult to think outside of the box or, or get some degree of context as to why certain people do certain things. You know what I mean? I, I, I just out of curiosity when you're saying yeah, that, yeah. Um, when did Mugabe get, when did he leave power? When did that finish? Three, four years ago now. Three, four years ago, right. So you, when you were growing up, you were in a time where I guess the victor was Mugabe, right? So in terms of the history that you would have been taught and stuff like that, was it actually reflective of that? Was it kind of telling a story that obviously, again, I'm not saying that there's good and bad, everything's yeah, multifaceted. Yeah, absolutely. But in terms absolutely. of maybe in that sense, you were actually getting taught when you were growing up a view which was very pro Mugabe's reign. Was that a thing that was the case then? Uh, no. My argument here is that by virtue of power being gifted to you by the British Empire, who colonized your country, right, you are at their mercy. So the idea of independence isn't, it's, it's symbolic, but you're still at the mercy of their financial institutions. You're at the mercy of their cultures. Like it's no mistake that I went to an all-boy Jesuit Catholic school that, you know, live in the tropics, but you're still dressing as though you live in the North Pole, which is crazy, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's the norm. You know, even the public schools where the poor kids go to school, they got to dress like that too. You know what I mean? Um, the fact that English is an official language, you know, the fact that, you know, um, your, your heritage for, for, for a large man has been eradicated because of what happened during colonization, right? And then the way the independence is gifted to you wasn't in transitional way in which it empowered the people that were left with the land. It was just the British Empire saying, ah, oh, we're tired. We're going to go back home. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so it's like, oh, we by got the some way, shit going on back home. Yeah, we're going to go. Yeah, 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 we're good. We're good. But, but we still want to have access to your resources, your gold, your diamonds, you know, um, and we don't want to pay taxes for that. So how about we put some multinational companies that will stand, will stay here on behalf of the state make sure they keep an eye on everything. And um, we're just going to go back because everything's all good back home. Yeah, just give us a call if you need anything, okay? But um, yeah, just, just so, so, so we want you to manage. We don't want you to necessarily rule. So you're managing this for us whilst we're in absentia. You know what I mean? So, so, so that's the idea, I think, of, of, of independence when, 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 when I say it was symbolic. You know, it wasn't something that like, the guerrilla war is like like fought for and overpowered the British Empire because that wasn't gonna go down. Um, nor were they gonna let it happen that way. So so it was never it was never anything quite like that. And and when you realize that, okay, fine, now now you're stuck with this country, right? But then everything that's modern about it, right, you were never allowed into the rooms where this stuff was developed. So when you start talking about the Dow Jones, you start talking about, you know, um, any financial concepts or institutions or, or currencies or, or schools or infrastructure in the rest of it, you were never allowed into those meetings. So one, you don't know how to maintain that stuff. Two, you don't know where it came from. 
three, you don't know where to get more of it. And four, whoever, whoever set all these things in motion has no particular interest in you anymore to want to, to keep investing in, in the maintenance of those things. So you just stuck with this stuff and you're like, Oh, it's good because it's running. But there's going to come a point where if we don't keep feeding this system with whatever it was being fed with, we're going to lose it all. And everything is going to just, you know, come to, to a screaming halt. And a lot of countries in Africa that were colonized find themselves in that position. Like, it's interesting you're saying that because, like, I guess that's definitely true in terms – and that actually goes back to your point about the gatekeepers. Uh, until you change the gatekeepers, you can't change anything. Yeah. But also uh, – I mean, on top of that, you also have the person who's in charge who then needs to go and do those things, which would be very difficult in any circumstance, yeah. who was actually selected by the British to be there yeah. and maintain the control he has and the friends he has. So yeah. he's in a position where he doesn't really want to develop things further, you could argue. Like, I'm not saying that's the case. I don't know what Mugabe's, how Mugabe's mind worked. but If you're the help, right, and all you get to do is come in and serve, you know, the lady at the manor, and you live outside, you know, seven, seven quarters all the time, right? And one day, the native man says, you know what? I'm going to leave. You know, you, you have the manor. It's all yours, right? Um, do with it as you will. I'll keep an eye on it and the rest of it, but you can take care of it for now, right? Um, you, you're going to jump at the opportunity only because you've longed to want to experience what that comfort felt like, you know? And you promised yourself, at that time when you accepted the opportunity that, look, it's only going to be temporary because I've got to take care of all the other servants and I want them all to live in the manor. But, you know, maybe for the first three to six months, I just want to live the way the lady, the manor, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like someone who wins the, the lottery overnight, you know, but they've been on maybe social welfare benefits and overnight they, they, they win $200 million, you know, unless your psyche is set up to know how to manage that kind of money, you know, you're going to manage it as though you're living on those social services payments, right? And be surrounded by people who probably were already there to then take advantage of you and your ignorance. Well, one, why would I move out after three to six months to go back into the servants' quarters, right? That's the first thing. And secondly, why would I let any of the servants move in? Do you know what I mean? And then you start to understand the psyche of the colonial master in terms of wanting that self-preservation. Like, why would I give up this comfort? Like, you know what I mean? And, and, and what price am I going to pay to relinquish some of this stuff? Maybe I should just maintain the status quo. Yeah, because I can manage this. I can predict what's going to happen here, but I, I just need to, to maintain control, you know? So, so, so then once, once, once you understand, oh, okay. So Mugabe stepped into the shoes of, what a white oppressor was in this whole time, but was never under any scrutiny for it, right? Then you go to your curriculum in terms of how you educated school, right? Um, we're taught English first, right? Before our native tongue. So already you're like, wait, this is rigged. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and much to our benefit that we do learn English because it is the language of the world, I guess. Well, not, not, not even for now because, nah, let's just... We'll, keep, we'll leave China out of it, but, <laughs> but they definitely. Well, they're not, they're not, China's bigger, but it's not as global in terms of. True, you're not going to meet a Swiss businessman and both speak Chinese to each other. So, in terms of the lingua franca of the world, it's it's crazy you say this, man. But you tell me which which nation in the world has a representation 
in pretty much every corner of the world. And I'm not just talking about population. I'm talking about having your own city. Yeah. Your own town. This oh, is no. a Chinatown. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, and when they're there, you're, you're going to have signs in Mandarin just letting you know, like, oh, no, they don't speak your language. So, you know what I mean? Like, I was shocked when I went to Zim, like, five years ago, seven years ago, when, when I first went back, um, since I'd been here, uh, to study and, and I rocked up the airport and all these signs in Mandarin. That's like, what the hell's going on here? I had no idea. I have yeah. heard that there's been a huge oh, focus of Chinese investment has been in Africa oh, man, in it's general. Major, it's major, bro. It's because major. of like, I think access to the resources as well as. Yeah. Like- a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Also, also challenging the, the Western colonial powers in terms of countries that they claim to have influence over. Because a lot of it is not necessarily just about having a regional presence or, or territorial advantage, but it's also about saying, well, if we want to have, like, like okay, our, our, our populations is, is, you know, it's, it's, we, we can't be able to maintain, you know, like, um, I don't know, like, two billion people in a single country. So we want to create another like sub China in Africa or whatever, and we need space. So we will start developing the infrastructure. It's just, a, a, is that a, kind of like what you feel is an element of what's going on? Well, I think it's just a, just a, a more sophisticated version of, of colonization, you know, really? I mean, whereas, so whereas is there actually like a lot of moving in of Chinese into Africa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Buildings, infrastructure, businesses, you name investment. But, but, but what it is, is like, you know, I, I always say when, when, when the West did it, when the British Empire did it, right? Or when you, when the Europeans colonized, it was by force. It was with guns. When the Chinese do it, it's with cash, you know? So they, they, they didn't have a finesse, you know? You know, they'll, they'll, they'll persuade you, you know, in, in a way that may appear advantageous to you at the time. But then to me, that's more business transactional. So that's, that's on you. You know what I mean? Like you're not being forced. You're just in a tight situation. You Is know that what I mean? not forced then? No, it's, it's not forced because you're being presented with an opportunity. So you're like, give me the money. Only because your back's against the wall financially, that, that right? That sounds like not a choice. Well, it is a choice. You could say no. Well, you could say no to an oppressor with a gun. You're just going to get shot. No, no, no. But that's, no, no, that's, that's different. That's not a choice. That's not a choice. Because you, you, 
with, with this other option, you get to live. This other one, you don't. Like, there is no choice. Like, whether you say yes or no, you did. Like, it's RIP. That's, that's a different situation. So, so the, the methods of that are just so different. Like, I think, you know, and, and I think when, when you have someone with a gun to your head, you're stripped of power. So there is no choice. In this situation, someone is coming with a proposal to you, but you're just in a bad place or you are that greedy or that corrupt that you see the immediate benefit unto yourself and whoever your cronies are and you take that at face value and you totally negate, you know, the generational impact that's going to have, you know what I mean? But there's definitely a power component there. Like they, they don't have a gun to your head. So there's a few things I want to comment there. And like even with that, uh, it's interesting that you could say the same thing with Mugabe and the British and him getting handed that is almost in some ways the similar thing you could say where he didn't it was a, he wasn't he, was, he wasn't he didn't have a gun to his head yeah. but he was in a spot where he's like this benefits me to do this well not not just that but i think in this particular instance right there was no gun to his head the british empire is done with rhodesia at the time so they were leaving anyway so if he said no they just pick somebody else so that was inevitable. Like it's 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 different. But what what I will say. But that's why it's not. That's what I'm saying. It's a choice. It's not a. It's not a gun to the head. Oh, but it yeah. is a case where it's like yeah, yeah. I'm in a spot where I'm going to choose to do this. Oh, absolutely. But but having said that, having said that, I think that's why this book is 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 very important because I remember anyway at school spending a big chunk of my 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 history lessons in terms of the curriculum, not just being devoted to. Woodrow Wilson and, 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 and the First World War and how all that went down, right? But the Second World War and Hitler and understanding and breaking down the psyche of the man, his history, his origins, you know, like where did this guy come from? Why was he so angry? You know, why, why did he end up doing the things he did? There was so much in the school curriculum that was invested in us understanding how this guy or why this guy became a monster. But it's, 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 it's funny though that when it comes to someone like Mugabe, right? Like I had to go find this book. Like it's, it's a difficult book to find. Like I was just lucky to just come across it where it, it deals with like just that psyche. And it's not even a defense of the person, but it's to understand. Yeah. yeah like I've always yeah. said, understanding does not mean justifying. Oh, no, not at all. Not uh, at all. Not but at it's all. funny you're saying that because I, I, I don't think you would find much in. I, Australian schooling, from my experience, that does anything in terms of trying to understand Hitler. Like that's it's, definitely not done at all. Yeah, here. but but, but I, think, I don't think it's done all anyway in Western but, countries. But, yeah, but but I think I think the way it's done is there's there's an overall understanding in terms of how these wars come into being. There's always context to a lot of stuff. Not context in terms of a justification for what occurred, you know, because bad is bad. You know, there's, there's no, you know, there's no, you know, um, persuading anyone, you know, that, that that's not the case. But over time, and even with the internet, like, it's just that information is there. You try to find something on the internet that just breaks down the psyche of any African dictator and see if you're going to come across that. You, you go for Hitler, go. It's yes, going to be a lot, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's the same thing, like, and, and. You know, you've, you've got you've got the Holocaust that went down. You know what I mean? And what's the slogan for that? You know, never forget, right? And why? So that it never happens again, right? Okay. Now, whenever you know an African speaks about colonization or African Americans speak about the slave trade, first thing they're told to do is shut up, forget about it. it. Happened so long ago. Yeah. Facts, right? Yeah. And we're like, oh, but never forget. 
You know what I mean? Like, I remember Germany had to pay reparations for the Holocaust, right? Still paying them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And African Americans will never get reparations. No. African nations will never get reparations and still be stripped off. And indigenous people here. 100%. Mm. Bring it back home. So, so when you look at it from, from that angle, it's not about saying, oh, let's excuse what you may call a dictator for what they did. It's no, no, no. Let's put this in context because we're making something that maybe the West, the West started and were far more skilled at, right? And knew exactly what they were doing and enforced it upon it. it. Yeah, Yeah. Like they came in, they knew what they were doing, right? And, and they, 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 they multiplied or franchised that model, right? Internationally, right? And then that one African leader that does what he's been taught to do by the colonizer then is like the worst person in the world. No, no, no. We're not saying this, this, this leader is good, but let's unpack how they ended up learning how to do that. Yeah. Look, I, I, and that's, and that, that's where I'm coming from because I think that's the root of it because that's the truth of it as well. Because if you can unpack that, then we start going back to the root of all of this. Then we can go and deal with the gatekeepers. But as long as the gatekeepers can keep their hands clean, we're not dealing with any issues. You know what I mean? Like tr- Trump, Trump is not the problem. Yeah. The system that produces and maintains someone like that is the problem. Tell me if this is. No, too go for far, it. No, but, uh, no, no, no. I do think it's interesting when you talk about this because from what we discussed at the start with your own dad and stuff that's happened there, it's interesting because you're, you're treating, I guess, do you look at him with the same level of like understanding? It sounds like you do. Like you, you're, te- you're applying that same attitude. I guess I too, it's too part of it, I guess, but like did you always have that understanding or did that develop later towards your dad, I guess? Brilliant question. And it's, it's something that is constantly on my evolution list um, because it, it, it keeps growing with my worldview and, and my life experiences, right? So when I was a kid, I was so angry at my dad because of what I saw him do to my mother and what I saw him do to us, right? But as I grew older, right, and I started to realize, well, once religion got introduced into my world in a real way and once people disappointed me outside of like the spectrum of like my family and people that I would see even on a world stage make mistakes and, and be forgiven and come back and realize that, okay, fine, I may have had a very difficult upbringing as a child, but I'm not the only one that had challenges of this nature or challenges of any nature that could possibly transform one's worldview, right? So as you grow up, you start to just absorb a lot of information and experiences and also through mistakes of my own as well, right? And then you start to find grace, and you realize, oh, okay, it's not that easy. Okay. Okay, I thought, okay, cool, right. Okay, maybe when he made that decision, he didn't know that these would be the repercussions that would put him in this position and he would be in a situation where he'd still make a decision to do certain things, you know? So so, so having that in mind, yes, as I've grown older, I've I've developed, I think, I won't say forgiveness yet at this stage, but a tolerance and an appreciation for certain elements or decisions that played a part in him being the way that he ended up being so for example the example of his dad you know um that that was a cycle that his dad treated right and he and no one in his family made a deliberate effort to pull him out of that way of thinking or that worldview so 
when he got introduced to women, you know, thinking he comes from royalty, he can do whatever he wants, this, that, and the third, he ends up doing what he does. He gets money, and that just, you know, inflates, like, that, that bravado, that ego, and he ends up being, you know, a far worse version of what he would be if he were a poor guy, right? So I come into the, into the cycle with my mom. My mom realizes we could have this happen again. And then whether it's the grace of God or chance or whatever it is, parents get divorced, dad goes to jail, so he's out of the picture. Mom yanks me out of that, plugs me into a different system, which is church, right? So automatically now I'm looking at a different father figure, you know, being God, right? So, so my trajectory immediately starts to make a dramatic um, shift, right? So I'm, I'm starting to see the world and interpret things in a different way. So whilst that was a good thing, it still didn't allow me to deal with the substantive issues that were at the core of this generational pressure that came. You know what I mean? So it still complicated it, right? It's a lot like the system's not being set up for you to have your own independence. Exactly. <laughs> like you exactly. haven't done it yourself. You've exactly. been taken there, so you have Exactly. So so there's a lot of things I'm I'm gonna be or I, I'll be the first to do in my family because of things that happened to allow me to be in the position I'm in, but also because of decisions my mother actively made on my behalf to plug me into systems that would help me break the cycle. Learn or break the cycle, correct. Um, so, so with that, I think getting a fair bit of success of my own, um, I remember telling someone for the first time, I think when I was 22, um, that my dad had been in prison and, and except I couldn't tell anyone that stuff because it was just so embarrassing and, you know, you'd be looked down upon. So you'd never tell anyone. I actually broke down as a grown man at like 22 or something like just freaking out. Like I'm telling somebody about this and I've been carrying the weight of this and the weight of his identity for his transgressions. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I was, I was carrying that as though that, that were me. So you start to unpack that as, as you grow older and you gain your own success, your own trajectory. And, to you know your own trajectory in terms of what you want to end up being and because i ended up okay i stopped blaming him for the head start i should have had if he were in my life you get what i'm saying so i let him off the hook in that so that that provides a healing component to me which is great you know what i mean um saying maybe it's the same grace i will even offer to to mugabe for instance because we didn't leave zim because it was a good idea to go and study overseas. I live Zim because if I had stayed, I would have been a burden to my mother and my brothers. So I left to get a better opportunity overseas. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, but by having said that, the curriculum weren't set up the way that it was under his regime. I didn't go to the schools I went to. I didn't learn English the way I did. All these kinds of things, right? Like my, my school was next door to his house, like the president's house. Oh, know? really? Yeah. His kids went to my school. Oh, so, damn. Yeah, so yeah. you got, your, your dad was royalty. Uh, yeah, some yeah. Kind. So we're good. We're good. But <laughs> up to certain point. Yeah, so yeah. And then it switched. But, yeah. But, but, but then mom had to end up inheriting that burden, like keeping us in private school bursaries, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff, just so we could stay there. Cause she was like, education is key. Like if there's anything, like we'd rather go with our food, then you stop going to the schools you're going to, cause that's going to feed you one day. And it sounds like, especially because of the connections and stuff oh, yeah, you can absolutely. make there. Absolutely. And even like just the sense of confidence, right? Like, so for example, right, you're a white dude, I'm a black dude, right? Like, had I'm I not Greek. Gone to I don't know if I'm white technically, yeah, you but you know, there, I think no, I'm yeah, you cross the line, cross the line, cross the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. You're good. Now you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> even certain things that people may overlook, right? So, for instance, 
we we come from a British British uh, colony that oppressed black people, right? So for us, the way we were trained to view white people was as gods, as kings, as queens. You know what I mean? As as being that far above us. You know what I mean? So even for me to be able to have a conversation like you, like this, with with the confidence of God and the clarity of thought and all those kinds of things, right? Like these are all things I learned from being in a white school with white kids and dealing with them on a day-to-day basis. I've got other friends or cousins who went to all black schools, you know, that may not necessarily have had that opportunity, you know what I mean? So it takes a lot more to develop that kind of like confidence to even stand in front of people. I was president of Toastmasters at my school, you know what I mean? Like, like those kinds of things that they, they just really, really, we didn't realize it at that time, but we're, virtually being trained to be chameleons or, or be statesmen from anywhere or anywhere else in the world because no matter where you're going to place any of us in the world, we're going to hustle and find our way, you know, into that you're system gonna know how to and handle, how to yeah. survive. You're you know, know how to handle, I mean? yeah. yeah. And you're so. going to have the, the, the drive because of your background and where you've come from yeah. to probably go the extra mile compared to what exactly. people who come from something more comfortable. Exactly. I can come here and be a lawyer, you know, for a minute yeah. and decide, you know, I'm going to be a rapper. You know what I, know. I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be a president. Like, you know to do I mean? your full law thing and then on the day you graduate to be like, all right, I'm not going to do the rest. It's like, yeah. you've already done so yeah, much work. Like, at least go, you do, crazy go do something. You know what I yeah. mean? But, but, but in saying that as well, just so I can clarify as well, just so um, I don't come across as though like I'm like a sport brat or anything like that. Like, it's not like I'm incredibly gifted or anything like that. But whilst I was in the church, I, and also working, I, I understood two things, right? There's two elements. There's, there's a career and there's a vocation. So your career is something that you go to an institution to get trained, right? So you'll get a skill set for it. So for me, it was to be a lawyer. I wasn't born with just that lawyer acumen or whatever, right? So whatever, went, learned how to do that. But I went there so I could work for somebody, right? And even in that system, I understood that unless I'm a partner, my value in this institution or in this industry is always going to be regulated by whoever the gatekeeper is, right? So they don't tell me what I'm worth, right? It doesn't matter how good I am or what I do. Until I own some equity in this company, right? Then we can start talking about the big bucks, right? But your vocation is something that's innate. You're born with that. Like, that's a God-given gift. Like, that's just inherently inside you. You may go to an institution to go polish it up, you know what I mean? But you can't teach that. You know, either you know how to rock a crowd of 100,000 people or you don't. You know what I mean? Either you know how to make those hit songs or you don't. Either you're charismatic like Will Smith and you don't go for training on how to be an actor and you just land a role on Fresh Prince and your life changes, you know. Um, you know, so so I learned, okay, fine, I've got this skill set where I'm able to to engage with people, rock crowds, write music and the rest of it. But also, if I if I stay just being a lawyer which is a fantastic thing, but I would be limited to a peer review in terms of my progression, even if I wanted to go into public office. Like, I've got to go up the ladder like everybody else. But then if I've got, like, this cheat code, which just puts me in front of people, which could potentially make me a celebrity, that then puts me in front of the gatekeepers anyway, they're like, oh, intelligent, cool, okay, black kid, okay. He's all right, cool. Hey, oh, you want to be there? Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? That's a cheat code. So instead yeah. of it taking me 20 years to get there, I may be able to make it in 10. And make it being president 
of Zimbabwe. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the goal, man. That's the goal. I, lo- I love that. Like we have to call it soon. That's why I have to yeah, like yeah, yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. We, we have to okay. stop the thing. But I guess yeah, yeah. so. Okay. Just very quickly, then, uh, even though we've kind of jumped around a little bit in terms of Mugabe stuff and all that, which is super interesting. How are you going to be president of Zimbabwe? That's up to the gods, isn't it? That's really a god question. Um, all, all I know is I've got to set myself up on this path and align myself with the trajectory of whatever skill set and giftings that I have. And if there's anything I've learned from my life to this day, I have no business standing or sitting across the table from you today, given my history and my background. Um, I'm literally a miracle um, work of God, you know. Um, Considering where you came from. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I shouldn't be here. It doesn't make sense that I should be in front of you. You know, it's a blessing, you know. And, and every opportunity, every link, even like I was saying, like, coming here, you know, um, writing to all these 10 businessmen. And it so happened to be the very last person that I went to see. And he said, I'll pay for you first, so you can get a visa yeah. to get in. You know what I mean? Do you know how many times, like, the university, like, canceled my enrollment and, like, hit up immigration because I was behind on my school fees and stuff? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like, my heart would skip a beat. And and not 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 for myself in terms of, like, oh, i got to go home, but just the the disappointment. I was not looking forward to seeing in my mom's face after everything she'd sacrificed. Like that was the weight that I was feeling, you know, and you get suicidal, you know, thinking that like I'd rather die than have to face my mom with that disappointment, you know, because yeah. everyone put everything into, into me making it, you know what I mean? So, 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 so when, when you realize like your life's been set up like that and a lot of it's my mom's prayers, man, like I, I understand like just the, the calling it's, it's, it's way bigger than me being alone. That's why. It was it, it, didn't, it didn't cut it, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then I was going for for more, you know. Now, you know, I'm doing this, you know, with the entertainment stuff, and all with the plan to get it. That's why the goal is so outrageous, because I've got to think like that early on, and everything that I do, I've got to have that in the back of my head because I just know it's it's a calling. It's it's just where I'm headed. It's, um, it's amazing and very impressive. And I fly over my private jet <laughs> for lunch. You know, you better yeah, <laughs> taxpayer money. <laughs> Um, okay, I guess the, uh, yes, we have jumped around and I love the connection point between like, yes, the system that created Mugabe and what, what kept him there. Because the other thing that kept him there would have been the fear of what people would do if he left. Oh, absolutely. Which again is exactly, exactly like. Exactly. It's yeah. exactly, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the very reason why Trump is holding on and not conceding. Because the moment he's off, all the immunity that comes with being president is out the window. Then he's got all these court cases pending that he's got to deal with, right? It's more than just got to do it for the American people. No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's, no, it's, it's got nothing big. to do with it. No, it's got nothing to do with it. It's, it's way bigger than that, but it's a self-preservation thing. But also just also pay attention to even just how he had already aligned his family from a lineage point of view to pass on the presidential legacy to, you know, Ivanka was already in there. Her husband was already in there. His son's already in there. Do you know what I mean? Like heavily involved. Like it's the cycle. Very similar. <laughs> you know, and this is just on a microcosmic yeah, level, yeah. right? Of of like the, the serious problem that really, you know, exists. You even see it from, um, you've got the exact same thing happening within the party system, right? So you had, um, okay, let's say you had Obama in. Okay, you have Clinton, right? We're talking just Democrats now. You have Clinton for a minute. Clinton does his two terms, right? And Hillary's waiting in the wings, right? And then 
she's supposed to be next in line, right? And then by some weird, miraculous situation, she loses the primary to this this first-time senator, Barack Obama, out of nowhere, right? And they're like, damn it. So she can't get it. So they let him in, right? But then the American public are like, ooh, we never seen a black Arab-sounding name dude, like, become president. So they attach Biden to him just to, to calm everybody, right? And then he's safe. So he goes in, then makes Hillary secretary of state, right? But then obviously there's an understanding that, okay, next time around, it's going to be your turn, right? This is all legacy, lineage, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like the gatekeepers just maintaining, right? And just handing the ball to each other. You know, it's like they're playing with the same rugby team or same soccer team. And then Hillary goes in, messes her chances up, right? And then boom. And they're like, okay, cool. Who else is familiar? Who's been part of the system? Ah, hey, Sleepy Joe, what up? Yo, wake up. You're up, you know? And then he's in, but he's tied to a bomb. So it passes on. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's, 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 it's a cycle. It's endemic. It's, it's there. Like it's, it's a virus, but it's, it's a gatekeeper issue more than it is. Oh, this guy is president and they symbolize power, or whatever, but don't actually really have power. So you've put both, you've, you've slung both parties together in a comparison to Mugabe. I rate that. Oh, really? <laughs> I rate that. Um, I, I guess the last thing I always ask is, uh, did you feel like you, uh, have any different connections now with the book Mugabe from our conversation or having another think about it? I, I think, I think it's, I think it's a gift because one thing I feel maybe for me as a takeaway is, and I can apply this to my dad as well, I can apply it to Trump, I can apply it to Obama, is that leaders aren't a monolith, you know? Um, dictators, as we like to call them, aren't a monolith. Like, they, they, they're very nuanced beings and we all embody elements of those people within us. And before we do pass judgment on them as people, not on their actions, but them as people, we should ask ourselves to honestly and truthfully answer if we were put in those positions, which majority of us have never been put in, right? Would we have done everything we could have to preserve ourselves and our positions and our titles and also to protect ourselves from the things we had to do to to get in those positions and provide for our families, provide for our loved ones, provide for our friends. You know what I mean? Um, that is the question because if, if we are to be honest about it, if we are going to be very righteous about our perspective towards our leaders in general, and I speak for myself, hopefully, in the future, because I do want the same grace afforded to me. You yourself from now, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, so, so it's in the uh, archives. I'm so used now. <laughs> it's, it's, too late. it's a PR campaign. It's too late. <laughs> man, you're in there, baby. You're in there. Respect but, your leaders is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, you respect the office. Yeah, yeah, definitely respect the office. And don't necessarily trust the leader. But I think what, what I'm trying to say is that let's not be hypocritical because if, if we are going to be righteous about it, then we, we live in comfort over here. And we are very much aware of the majority of the world that does it. But are we willing to relinquish our luxury, you know, for, for them to have a better life? And the reality is, and the truth of the matter is, no, we're not. We're not actively making that effort. We'd rather see no evil, hear no evil. And every now and then, 
think that's also a good when you do a good thing, you know? Like, I'm not speaking for everybody generally, but I, I'm just saying, you know, like, I'm not going to lie, like, you know, I wouldn't mind spending 20 bucks on a cocktail than giving it to Oxfam. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the truth, you know? And it's not as though I don't know that this could go further building a well for someone in the country I want to go and lead one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But self-preservation, you know what I mean? It's a Friday thing. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I oh, man. We're all begotten. We're all begotten. Be you, know, like you know what I mean? You've ended making everyone listening very uncomfortable when I rate that. Yeah, but, but you know what I mean? I, but but we're all in this, this cesspool of filth, you know? And the moment, like, I, I think the, the key to it is just unlocking our consciousness to that reality. And the moment we do, you know, it's like it's the, the pot calling the kettle black. Like, we're just in no position to pass judgment straight away. Like, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. Same thing, you know, right? So we just need to, I think, yeah, just get that space where we're just like, okay, look, the world's screwed up and we need to work out how to just make it better for, for everybody. And, and, and we start by, by not, by having a libertarian, I guess, perspective. Like, have people have your freedoms as long as whatever you do doesn't infringe or hurt other people. You know what I mean? I think that's where it starts from. Let's just stop hurting each other. Then we can work on the healing. Yeah, and also understand that uh, we're all the same in some way. So it's not just one guy who's bad. It's the system itself which might need fixing in situations. So it's too easy to write things off yeah. as this one person. It's like, no, no, that's no, that's no, that's no, a person no. in yeah, a situation exactly. that, that impacts it. It's, yeah, so it's, not, okay. it's, it's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It's not it's not a, an Asian thing. It's, it's a human thing. You know, Adam and Eve had the same issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we don't even know. Yeah, damn Apple, man. You know what I mean? But it was the devil, the system, you yeah. know? But, but God created the system. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't you know, know why, 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 right. why, you know, why, why let the homie in? You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, and, and why allow them to be tempted, right? And then, so it begins. So, it's, yeah, it's, 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 you know, we, we've got elements of things we just need to take away. And, you know, the, the humanity aspect that we too, can fall short like any of these guys. And when we are in the situations, let's focus on the truth aspect, not on the persuasive component. Yeah, yeah. And then hopefully well, we can fix some stuff, you know? No, definitely. And I, I yeah, I didn't think I'd be doing an episode about not justifying, but understanding Robert Mugabe. So thank you for that. Yeah, no. But uh, we better call it off there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. again, just thank you very much for being on. No, thanks for the platform, man. This is amazing. I don't think I've ever spoken this much about this kind of subject matter like no worries well thank you very much cheers no no thank you thanks for listening if you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at sans pants radio then why not subscribe to sanspantsplus.com for as little as five dollars a month you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content once again that's sanspantsplus.com When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.